you think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, they were close to each other and it just seems systematically right now Liverpool are not clicking. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. The rugby championship has been tumultuous so far and none more so than the weekend just passed where Argentina finally got their first victory on New Zealand soil and I'm delighted to say Gregor Paul is back with us. Gregor, we thought a corner had been turned, a, a tide had somehow shifted that all was well and had been righted in the world of the All Blacks and then Argentina rolled into town and just punched them in the eye. What happened? Yeah, don't know. Did think that a corner had been turned. Uh, didn't see that one coming. I don't think anyone saw that coming. We were all laboring under this misapprehension that if you can win in Ellis Park, you're not that broken. Uh, turns out we weren't right with that. Felt also the fact that um, the New Zealand rugby board uh, backed Dean Foster after they won at Ellis Park, finally came out and said, look, this guy, he's our guy. Uh, we're going to back him through the World Cup. Uh, Joe Schmidt came on board properly with a kind of proper position where he's hands-on with the team now. We all felt that this is it. They're going to suddenly kind of click into gear and be the All Blacks that we all know. And then once um, they went back to probably their worst performance of the year, worse than anything we saw against Ireland. Um, couldn't capitalise on the pressure that they built. Couldn't attack after they'd taken the ball out of a, of a very powerful set piece fell apart completely, and goodness me, here we are now. Argentina have done what Ireland did this year and won their first game here in New Zealand, and, and we are really struggling for answers as to what's going on. Yeah, we, we were certainly um, uh, having some conversations about, ooh, do we need to revisit just how historically great our achievement was that we went down and beat this New Zealand team of all teams? Because it doesn't feel like they're now... It doesn't feel like they're a successor to the great New Zealand teams of the past. What, what, what's the response been like amongst the New Zealand rugby public and the followers of the game, the, the, the professionals in the sport who aren't actually involved in the team? What's the consensus at the moment? Well, I think the consensus is if we don't get a victory this weekend, then, then there really are problems to be dealing with and the, the position of... Ian Foster becomes untenable because they cannot keep losing at the rate that they are, that they are. I think though there is probably I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, look, COVID. And this is not about excuse making for anyone. This is actually you know a realistic appraisal of what's happened here. Is COVID affected the world, but it probably impacted the southern hemisphere more than it did the north in that. It blew up rugby as we knew it in terms of competition structure. So the breakup of Super Rugby has been way more dramatic than it, than perhaps any of us have realised. Because um, if you look at the Southern Hemisphere results, while the All Blacks are having a terrible season, they're actually Ian Foster's results are actually way better than um, Jack Nienbar's results are with South Africa. They're way better than Dave Rennie's results. And they're way better than Argentina's results, although Michael Cech is sort of polishing that up a wee bit for them. But if you actually look at it, they're all four of them are really, really struggling. And they all struggled at the end of year two when they went up north last year. I'm beginning to wonder if it's going to take them a little bit longer to readjust to life with it, with Super Rugby not being what it was, with the South Africans playing up in your part of the world. 
uh, our guys here playing just against the Australians and the and the Pacific Island sides, there's probably a little bit of, or maybe a lot of long-term damage that's been caused by that. And it might take the whole of this World Cup cycle for the Southern Hemisphere guys to, to really find their feet again. That's a really interesting theory because, like, you know, you guys obviously had a much more strenuous lockdown than we did as well. Uh, ours was bad, but yours was brutal. And um, maybe we're just seeing that wash through the system, which I guess would give you some sense that actually this too will pass, that um, those competition structures will hopefully get better. Maybe, maybe the, the South African team's going from Super Rugby is actually a terminal blow to the ability to dominate, but certainly you would expect things to improve over the next 6-12 months. Yeah, look, I think so. I mean, I'm not, you can't park it all on COVID and say, well, it's a competition breakup that's the problem. That's not, that's not true to say that. It's certainly been a problem and it's probably going to take them a little bit longer to work their way out of it. There are other issues, clearly, that, that they're having to deal with. You know, such as we're not sure at the moment whether all of the personnel on the field for the All Blacks are the right guys anymore. Beginning to wonder whether one or two or maybe even three or four of them have maybe just passed their best and there's a failure here to recognise that, to move them on. Um, I I don't think that the All Blacks have been particularly good at um, rejuvenating, giving younger players opportunity to come into the team and play. You know, we saw that with Ireland when they were here, that you know, they were quite happy to take uh, the opportunity to throw younger guys out onto the field to give them game time. And that's clearly worked for them because it's put pressure on the incumbent guys to raise their level. And, you know, Ireland went home with a lot of questions answered about the 30-odd players that they took here. They got a really good feel for it because they were brave enough to give them game time. We haven't seen that in New Zealand yet. They've, they've kind of stuck rigidly by, you know, Whitelock, Retallick, um, Sam Kane, uh, Bowden Barrett. These guys have been dominating the game time and we're beginning to wonder whether um, not all of them are the right guys to be on the field at the moment. Um, the coaching ticket, right, the the uh, injection of Joe Schmidt into it seemed to be one of those decisions that a board makes and that that conversation is now over. But as you say, lose again next weekend and all of a sudden it get it gets reopened. It kind of has to be reopened if they were to lose again back-to-back to Argentina. What would the alternative be here? Well, the alternative is kind of ground zero, really, uh, and that's wiping out pretty much the entirety of... Uh, the coaching team, including Joe, uh, the management team, um, probably a handful of senior players, because the, the the only alternative is to go with uh, Scott Robertson, the highly successful Crusaders coach, and you know his vision for this team is to blow it up. He thinks it's broken, and he thinks that the whole thing, from you know um, head coach down to um, masseur. That just needs to be cleaned out, and he wants to start again, which comes at uh, quite high risk to make a change this late in a World Cup cycle. It comes with a lot of expense. It comes with a probability that for him to build his coaching team, he's going to be pulling a lot of head coaches out of Super Rugby, which means that next year, you know, Super Rugby is going to be difficult for for a number of New Zealand teams if he puts together the coaching team that he wants. But at the end of it, you kind of look at all those risks against, well, can the All Blacks really be sitting on a 25% win ratio, which they are at the moment for the last eight test matches, um, against the cost and the risk of um, you know, what, what Razor wants to do with the team? So 
that's what the board are going to have to weigh up. And my feeling here is if we lo- if they lose again, um, going ground zero is by far and away the better option. Yep, it'll be traumatic, it'll be expensive, it'll be high risk, but it has to happen because it, we've reached a point where it cannot be any worse. Do you know what I mean? We've, get, we've reached the point where you, you kind of have to make a change because you're of the view here that if you don't, where are New Zealand going to be in the World Cup? Well, you know, if we if New Zealand had to play Ireland in a quarter final at the moment, well, who, who do you think would win? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, the, <laughs> the, yeah. the, like, it's really interesting that the New Zealand rugby came out and I, I guess essentially backed Ian Foster before these tests with Argentina. Like, does that speak to maybe? A lack of respect shown towards Argentina, where they were like, "Okay, we've we've ridden out the worst of this summer now. We've we've played South Africa. We've got those two tests. It gets easier now." And obviously, it didn't. Uh, no, look, I, I don't think so. I think they they pre agreed. Um, the end of the South African series was a was a juncture that they pre agreed at the end of last year. They would they would have a, a a reset moment of looking and reviewing about where they were. So no, I don't I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I think. Um, they've been reluctant to make that. You know, they only had a, a seven-day window from getting back from South Africa to reassembling to play Argentina. So you had to be a little bit careful about that. If you're going to make a lot of changes, you're going to do them really, really quickly. Like I think we talked about this the last time because the the critical thing that happened here is that Joe Schmidt was persuaded to take a, a more significant role with the team, and that persuaded the board. Look, if you if you look at what you know, where where did Joe coach predominantly in the Northern Hemisphere? Who are the All Blacks going to probably have to beat to advance in the World Cup? Well, we know they're going to play France in the pool games. Highly suspect they're going to play either Ireland or South Africa in a in a quarter final, and then probably looking at it, potentially get England in a semi final if they get that far. And who knows, probably France back in a final if they keep getting that far. So you look at what Joe understands. He understands Six Nations rugby. He he built Ireland teams that, that knew how to take on France, how to beat England, how to beat Wales, how to beat these Northern Hemisphere teams. And that's what's been missing in New Zealand's diet because of COVID. They haven't really had that exposure. And probably while he's been out of the scene for a wee while, he he presumably still has a little bit of insight into how Ireland has set up and how they're playing the game and and the players and the weaknesses and strengths of the players there. And if you think, well, they're probably on a crash course potentially to play Ireland in a quarterfinal, Joe becomes all important to them because he brings that that intel, that insight that the the current setup just simply doesn't have. So once he agreed, that really pushed the board into a position of saying, well, anything that's got Joe Schmidt in it, any coaching group, is the one that we want to go with. And look, my understanding is I don't think Joe was willing to work necessarily with anyone else because he felt a loyalty to Ian Foster, who, you know, who'd invite him into the team and who'd give him the opportunity. And Joe, as you guys will know, is a man of principle. And, and I think that's how he felt. He wasn't willing to, to, you know, to work anywhere else other than with this group of people that had invited him in. The Scott Robertson uh, template for blowing everybody up from the Masore to some of the senior players. How do you? How, is that public? Has he said that publicly that that's what his vision for the future would look like? Uh, no, I don't think he has. I think that's uh, uh, we're kind of assuming that. I shouldn't have said that quite as boldly as I did, but I think he, you know, he 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 wants to bring his own people in. He wants to be given carte blanche to to set this team up the way that he does, the way that he wants rather. 
Um, and look, I think there's a feeling that many many observers have is that, that you know you, you've got some management in that people in that group who've been there for 18 years, and there is a feeling that some of them have been there too long and it's become a bit stale. And that yeah, you can you can play around with your coaching team, but but the but the kind of rot, and I don't mean that quite as offensively as it sounds. But the, you need to generate new ideas, new energy, new ways of thinking, not just in your coaching team, but all the way down through that through that management staff as well. So I think that's been Razor's um, view from from day one is that, that that's where he wants to go. He wants to start a game with his people. I didn't realise he was quite so public about his ambitions to uh, coach at international level. He says he wants to win two World Cups. He's going to be 52 by the time the next one rolls around. So he's open to offers from other countries. It was a real kind of, look, it's now or never for you guys if you want me to take this gig because if you're going to put Joe Schmidt in and they go to the World Cup, then it looks very much like Schmidt will have at least a lead when it comes to being the coach next time around if uh, the current coach was to go. So... You can see why if you're England, you're having chats with him. You can see why if you're Wales, you're having chats with him. You can see why you're like, okay, this guy is like one of the greatest coaches that we've ever seen. The innovation that's coming off his team is absolutely phenomenal. The skill level, the the absolute dedication that his players seem to have for him. The ringing endorsement he gets anytime one of his players speaks publicly about it. Anything Ron Lugar has ever said has been like, I just picked that guy's brain. And you're like, okay, he's he's available at the moment. It's yeah, it's mad. It's like entirely mad, and like, the timing is, is going to be unfortunate for New Zealand if they don't do something proactively about this. Because you're right, you know, Razor uh, made a smart PR move by basically saying, "Look, uh, one way or the other, I'm going to coach an international rugby team. I'd ideally like it to be New Zealand, but if that's not available, um, look, come and get me because I want to be at the next World Cup." And I would imagine that. Uh, a number of international teams who will already be thinking in England, probably probably number one at the moment, who probably know for certain that Eddie Jones isn't going to be their coach in 2024, be thinking, jeepers, I know we want an Englishman. I know they've said that publicly, but hey, this guy's on the market. Um, I know he's a Kiwi, but he's, he's a bit of a genius. Look at his results. Look what he could do for us. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if England get you know start talking to him now and put a hard offer in front of him February March next year. And if you're Razor, what do you do? You get a hard offer from England to come and you know play around with the the you know the best resourced uh, international team in the world. Look at the players that they've got and the potential that they have. And he'd be looking at that, going, "Wow, they're going to pay me this amount of money to come and, and coach this team against." I don't know what New Zealand are doing. I don't know whether I'm even going to have a chance at being the All Black coach after the World Cup because maybe they've already offered Joe the job. Maybe they keep Foster on. I don't know what's going to happen here. So gut feel, Razor will turn up on your side of the world, be it with England, be it with Wales, possibly Scotland, who knows. But he's not going to stay here if he gets offered a job that he's certain about. Uh, and it happens early next year. Unless, of course, something happens this weekend that blows things up again. Yeah. but I You mean, can't see Argentina winning back-to-back tests, can we? Is that possible? Well, you know, if you asked me that last week, I'd have said no. You're asking me that this week. Maybe. Who knows? Like, I, I doubt it. It's very difficult to see. I mean, you'd be really, really kind of worried about what on earth is going on with the All Blacks if they cannot bounce back 
to win to win this week. I mean, they should have won last week. They, the the bizarre thing is they actually dominated Argentina's scrum. They crushed it. They dominated the lineout. They were winning the physical battle for the first forty minutes, but they couldn't score. They couldn't convert the the pressure into points. It was very un-all black like. You know, the one thing that we'd expect them to be able to do is the kind of pass and catch part to finish off what they started. But that was a bit that they couldn't do. So they looked they looked the wrong way around. They, their power game was outstanding. That's the bit that we've said. Well, we don't think they've got that part, and Ireland exposed it, and France have exposed it, and England exposed it. But all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, they fixed that bit," and then they couldn't do the other bit. They, you know, they couldn't pass, catch, run into space, and, and use their inherent innate rugby skills. So that's confused everyone. Going, well, what's what's that about? So uh, look, I think what will happen this week is they they will they will play a much more conservative game. They obviously beat Argentina up physically last week, but couldn't finish it off. I think that's where they'll go this week, but but find a way to to not open the game up at all and just you know they'll score through three rolling malls uh, and a scrum pushover and they'll win the game in the ugliest fashion possible because they need to to take the pressure off the coach. How much pleasure did Michael Checker get out of beating the All Blacks last week? <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, he loved it and look great to have him back coaching because he's he's never dull. He's always fun. Uh, always compelling, and like he he would have enjoyed that moment. He took he took the opportunity to put a bit of a uh, to kick the All Blacks when they were down a wee bit by lavishing praise upon the Crusaders. Because uh, he was asked about <laughs> Pablo Matera, who'd, who'd been out here this year and played for Robertson at the Crusaders, and lavish praise upon him to say that you know he'd been. Um, the the real factor in turning Matera into the player that he is now, and that was quite nicely done by by Michael. He, he knows how to niggle the, the New Zealanders quite well. And uh, look, um, he, he's actually look. You, I would keep a wee eye on Argentina. Uh, they're travelling pretty well. They they thumped the Wallabies the week before. They've beaten the All Blacks in New Zealand. Um, yeah, they're, they're travelling pretty well. And, and he's quite a, he's a coach that tends to get a lot out of a team at, in the early stage of him arriving. Um, so they could be picking quite nicely by next year. Yeah, yeah. And you can see short-term impact of a coach. You know, we saw it with Razzie in the last World Cup cycle. Yeah. There's there's plenty of evidence for the New Zealand board if they're like, well, we have this other guy over here who, you know, are we going to lose him forever? So, look, we'll wait and see. It's been a topsy-turvy, really fascinating championship so far. Great to have you back again, Gregor. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.